You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable, and powerful with better data and insights. It's that time where I bring on special guests who are movers, influencers, thought leaders, opinion makers in the accounting and fintech world. Thrilled to have with me today, former journalist and one of the world's foremost content creators in this space. It's Nick Huber. Hello, Nick. Hi, Rob. How are you? Well, splendid. Great to have you with us, Nick. For people that haven't come across you and your work, tell us briefly what your game is. Right. Well, I'm a couple of things. I mean, I'm a journalist by training and trade, and I still still a journalist. I write mainly now for the Financial Times, but I also advise companies, including accounting firms and tech firms, on how to produce better content. And a lot of that is what's called sort of thought leadership, long form stuff such as um blogs white papers webinars because i'm sure you're well aware that's becoming one of the main types of marketing now and ways that companies can promote their brand grow their brand get sales leads um and convert those sales leads and just basically display their authority on various subjects talk to us about the accounting media space nick there's a lot of online platforms i don't think there's any magazines paper magazines that go out there anymore or newspapers. The Financial Times will cover a little bit of tech, obviously, but uh, how much has it changed over the years? And how do you explain how it is right now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I started one of the first kind of jobs I had as a reporter back in the late 90s, back when uh, reporters still got press releases sent sent by fax um, and elect, you know, e-commerce was called electronic commerce. But I started as a reporter for Accountancy Age, um, you know, it's about 97, 98. And then that was probably the main trade publication for the accountancy profession. Um, didn't have many direct rivals. That's still the case now. Obviously, there's things like Accounting Web and um, the main sort of accountancy institutes have their own publications, but I don't think they sort of describe them as sort of independent journalism. And then you had obviously the sort of the big national newspapers, and they'd sometimes have people who covered reporters specialising in um, professional services, in particular, the Financial Times. But uh, I mean, back then, it wasn't such a huge, it didn't have such a big media profile. I think the, certainly the big, well, it's probably about the big six or big seven accounting firms then, and they weren't perhaps doing quite as much in the media, and they hadn't really transitioned away from audit to sort of positioning themselves as management consultancies as they have now. Um, but they were still, my impression of the, the certainly the, the top 10 accounting firms was that they were pretty slick in the, in the media relations and the kind of content they put out. It's only been until recently that accountants are now able to advertise their services and put out there what they do and tout for business, as we would say. But there's so much noise out there, Nick, now everyone's doing it. And you add the vendor agenda, all the tech people out there. We were saying off camera how tech's been added to every vertical, fintech and accounting tech and legal tech and everything else. What do you make of the general tech space? In the last sort of 10 years, 
you've had a number of big trends. I mean, I think it started up about 10 years ago with this sort of the boom in cloud computing. And as a business reporter, I tend to sort of get commissioned about things which kind of track the hot trends in technology and in business and what companies are spending on and what therefore they're advertising on in newspapers and trade magazines. And so there was a lot of stuff about cloud computing, analytics, um, and then there was things about blockchain that was going to be the next big thing, but then that didn't seem to really deliver on its potential. And then, of course, recently um, we've had AI and generative AI, and that's just been incredible how quickly that's grown or how many users have grown, users have grown for ChatGBT. And, you know, I'm just writing an article now for a business magazine about ChatGBT, and I'd sort of put a, a request for comment in for a couple of sort of um, media platforms. And I've had about 20 responses from PRs in a couple of hours. Just the the interest in AI and generative AI is phenomenal. And I think the, the growth and the influence of the big tech companies is incredible. Um, and now they're sort of under the scrutiny of governments and regulators. And certainly that was very different. Uh, and the more technology is sort of totally integral to our lives now. And I think that started with smartphones. But when I was reporting, started reporting on technology in the late 90s, it was a lot more pedestrian. I mean, dare I say a bit boring, but it was basically then more about business software and the, the big business software suppliers were kind of mapping business functions, whether that was customer relationship management, ERP, financial accounting, and basically sort of mirroring that in computer systems. But it it was nowhere near as controversial or, or as interesting as, as it is now. You didn't have these big tech entrepreneurs who were sort of some of the most famous people in the world, you know, like Elon Musk. That just wasn't around then. No, the influencers. Well, we're talking today about better content creation in accounting. Just define that term for us, content creation, Nick. Well, content creation can be anything from you know content you create on on twitter or linkedin you might create a sort of you know 600 word post or 800 word post on linkedin or it can be a bit more ambitious it can be sort of long form content such as white papers and white papers i, I would sort of define as a kind of kind of halfway house between um journalism and, and marketing and advertising it's you know maybe 2,000 words, two and a half thousand words on an in-depth look at a subject. You might want to push certain messages for your business, but it, the good white papers are, are more impartial um, and you're interviewing a number of experts for it, not just your, your experts at your company. How do accounting firms view content creation? Do they just devolve it to the marketing department, let them get on with it? Or is it a more senior partner decision as to what messages are put out there? To be honest, I think that a lot of accounting firms don't really do it or that's my impression i haven't i don't have any statistics for it but i've been reporting on accounting firms for over 20 years and there's a big drop off in quality in terms of the content produced the blogs white papers by the big four or the top 10 accounting firms and then the smaller firms and or even the medium sized firms a lot of the medium sized firms say in terms of media relations, which is kind of related to content, they won't even have contact details for a press officer on the website. And, and that's kind of frustrating as a journalist, because sometimes they might have the kind of experts or the profile of people I'd want to interview for an article for a newspaper or business magazine. And if it's a journalist, I don't see, I just see a contact us form on the website. I forget it. I'll just go to somewhere that has a PR agency or a press officer. And so I think 
also, I, I suppose going back to your question, the the kind of content they produce can be a bit pedestrian and a bit of a kind of disguised sales pitch and a bit kind of samey and generic. Clumsy even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obvious. I, I know exactly what you mean. But then that comes back to who is driving content creation at that site from the firms I speak to. They know they need a presence on social media. They know they need fresh content on their website. What that amounts to, you said there's been a drop off in quality. So the firms that I'm putting stuff out there that's pretty poor, how would you describe that poor quality? It's almost like you read it and you think, has has some partner or some overworked marketing manager just been roped into producing three blood three blog articles per month and they view it or if they get experts partners in in the firm to comment on i don't know say the how the future of ai and accounting it's a bit like for them a trip to the dentist they know they've got to do it but they just want to get, <laughs> get it over with and they don't seem to maybe the marketing people if these firms employ someone in marketing understand the importance of content marketing or what's often called thought leadership the rest of the firm doesn't and the rest of the firm the partners don't even realize that if you do thought leadership correctly and i'm not a big fan of the term but it's widely used but if you do it well it's not just good for the profile of your firm and your potential business and more sales it's good for your profile and your career development um but that isn't always widely understood. And I think my general, this is generalizing why, you know, um, this is generalizing a lot. But I think if you look at sort of the accounting sector, particularly the small to medium sized firms, they're a bit more conservative with a small C when it comes to the marketing, the thought leadership and the media relations compared to other industries. Accounting can certainly learn a lot from what's going on out there. There's a huge amount of noise we know that for sure. And it seems so much easier to produce content now than to assimilate it. The sheer amount of YouTube videos that are going up every day on social media posts, it is bewildering. So it's incumbent upon firms and the marketing departments to, if they are going to put stuff out there, ensure that it doesn't just get absorbed in the wall of noise or be tumbleweed that nobody ever sees. If they are going to do that, what should be their guidelines? There's three things, three questions they should ask themselves and the thing the key thing with good content marketing thought leadership just keep it simple silly or stupid if you want to be a, be a bit rude the first question is so what i why is this new or interesting to our audience why should they care imagine you just have this thought experiment imagine you sort of walk into a busy cafe it all goes quiet and then you just say do you know what and then you've got to explain your article in one short sentence, would the people stop what they're doing, stop drinking their flat whites or whatever, and and want to know more, or would they go on, go back to the conversation? You've you've got to sort of grab the attention as quickly as possible because when you're competing, when you're publishing content thought leadership for your accounting firm or tech company, you're not just competing with your direct rivals; you're competing with social media, podcasts, um, computer games, um, the broadcast media, any number, everyone in theory is a, is a publisher now. And so the quality has to be much better and it's, it's much harder to, to stand out. So that's the first question. The second question is, what do you mean by, and that's, this is probably something I, I ask as a journalist um, five or 10 times a day, if I'm doing a lot, a lot of interviews, and that's just making sure that what the person 
what you're trying to write or the person you're interviewing is saying something that your audience will understand. Sometimes you need to clarify things or get more information. And so I'd say a good rule of thumb is try and write in language that an intelligent, um, an intelligent 10 year old would understand. So don't assume that every reader or listener or viewer for your content knows as much about the subject as you. And that's a common flaw in a lot of thought leadership content that I see, whether it's from a produced by a small, small business, small accounting firm, or a multi-billion dollar consultancy, they get so close to the subject that they think that everyone else is as interested in it as they are or is knowledgeable. So that's the second question. Then the third one is why now? And the why now is important because if you can relate what you're writing about to something in the wider news, it could be a big political story, economic story, it could be something in the financial calendar like the tax season or uh, end of financial year tax returns, it makes it it makes your content more newsworthy, more interesting. And it also makes it clear why you're writing about something now, rather than say, last month or last year, if you just publish something, um, because you think it's interesting, and it's not clearly tied into something bigger, it just looks a bit amateurish. Talk a lot about BS free thought leadership content. And we know there's so much hype out there. There's so much hot air in the world that I move in of accounting influencers. These are people selling to and through accountants from big vendors through consultancies and, and a range of podcasters, coaches, consultants, trainers. It's all about followers and it's all about numbers. It's not really about the quality of the content. For instance, if you look on LinkedIn now, it's become the Facebook type thing where people are posting a jigsaw that they've completed or a picture of a meal or it's all very self-congratulatory and personal brand led rather than high quality of content. So talk to us about tips for BS free thought leadership content. Sure. And that is a problem when um, everyone is trying to be an influencer and it all can become a sort of a bit banal and and everything's on, on surface impressions. Um, I, I think to sort of to really improve the, the quality of your content, you want to start, I'd say, first of all, you don't necessarily need to, to have lots of focus groups or do lots of research into what your audience wants. Because certainly accounting firms, they should have more than enough information already to produce interesting content. You know, they're dealing with, you know, sort of tax returns, businesses that are growing fast, businesses in crisis. When there's a sort of a recession on the way, they'll probably see the early, the early warning signs. Um, they'll be dealing with sort of trying to detect fraud, profit warnings, and they, they'll get constant feedback from the customers. And so they'll know about market trends before um, before it's probably widely reported on by the media. But I'd say start off by just having a two to three hour, um, you could call it a strategy session or a workshop. So just to take a step back and think about what you want to achieve with your content, because your content might be to increase the number of sales leads and conversions, that's fine. But it might also have more specific objectives. You might want to change the perception of your firm from just providing transactional bookkeeping type services to more higher value advisory stuff on on MA or business strategy. And by doing by sort of in order to do that, you might want to talk 
about more business strategy subjects or consultancy. Um, so have this two to three hour strategy with your sort of head of marketing, some of your key people, review the kind of content you produced, what has worked, what hasn't worked, brainstorm some ideas for, for new content, put those ideas into categories. So that could be uh, what's called a listicle, you know, five tips for, I don't know, better productivity in your business or whatever, or, or you know, um, clearer accounts. You could have research, you could have blogs. The more ambitious content could be a webinar or a white paper. Um, and then sort of create, work out what information you've got for that content and what's missing. And then you can create a schedule for writing it, editing and publishing it and work out how you're going to do this. So do you have any editorial systems or support? Do you need to appoint a PR agency or marketing agency? A lot of marketing agencies work with experienced business journalists, myself included, um, and will outsource some of that. And then I'd say create a plan, but just start off slowly because sometimes when I work with firms and I'll advise them, we'll have this workshop to sort of like, create a roadmap for content, everyone will get very excited. But initially, sometimes their initial plans can be too ambitious. They'll say, oh, right, we're going to do five or seven pieces of content per month, you know, a couple per week. And they struggle to produce that from a standing start from producing virtually no content. Um, so I'd say take it slowly, start off with maybe one or two bits of content per month, learn from that, and then improve it and um, start to produce a bit more but just just enjoy it and have fun <laughs> I think I, I always think you know there's various uh, the big consultancies will probably have all these complex matrices for how to review your thought leadership and content and produce it and quantify the return on investment and, and how popular it is with customers but basically I think unless you enjoy producing the content that you're, uh, yeah, unless you produ enjoy producing your blogs, your white papers, then your readers aren't going to enjoy it. So just, and, and it's not, we're not talking about, you know, the Pentagon Papers or some, you know, make or break legal case or M&A, you know, just have fun, make sure it's, it's accurate, it's clear, and it's interesting, and just publish it, don't dither too much. Accountants having fun, we heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> You said you're not a fan of the word, the phrase thought leadership, Nick. Is there a better phrase for this? Yeah, I mean, it could just be something like, you know, thought discussion starter or thought provoker or I don't know. It's just the, the problem I have with thought leadership is it's almost slightly, well, first of all, it doesn't make sense. It's nonsensical because how can you lead thought? And, and what's the definition of a, th a thought leader? For me, it's just, you know, someone who's like, how do you quantify that? It's just someone who's seen as an authority. And when something big happens in your industry, you think, ah, I wonder what this person thinks. Just like, you know, you might think, I wonder what one of your favorite writers or music musicians or even sports people thinks about, thinks about something. So it, it's a bit of a nonsensical term, but now everyone's latched onto it. And I think perhaps if people think about it more as we're going to sort of start some really interesting discussions and debates about something rather than having to provide some definitive view on AI or the future of the advisory services in accounting or whatever. Let's just start the debate going and let's not try and um, align 
every single piece of content we do with our five-year marketing plan or with what Jane or Bob thinks in sales or whatever, because then you just get all this quite promising material watered down and um, or it never gets signed off because people get paranoid that it's not in total alignment with your firm's strategy. I understand you're saying don't be too definitive, but one of the problems I see with the content out there is that it is too bland, it's too safe, it's mere commentary on what is already happening. It might provide some insight or views, but it's certainly not declarative, it's not definitive, it's bland, it's not even controversial or edgy, it doesn't give people anything beyond what they already know. So it just adds to the hubris, if you like. Would you go along with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, that those are some two common problems, weaknesses of a lot of Probably the majority of thought leadership content marketing that I see that's produced by businesses, including accounting firms. Um, I think, by, and again, this is a big sweeping generalization, but I think accounting firms, by the very nature, particularly ones that do a lot of audit and compliance, are very cautious and detail oriented, uh, detail orientated. And so they're a bit reluctant sometimes to stick their neck out and give strong opinions because they think everything has to be backed up by evidence. And yeah, of course, you've got to you've got to have a, a reasoned argument to back up what you say in some evidence, but some of it is speculative, particularly if you're talking about the future. And yeah, if you get if you just have a beginning, a muddle, and an end for your blog, no one's going to read till the end of it, or if they do, they'll forget about it. So I think it's good to sort of have strong opinions. And it even if they change over time. Um, but most thought leadership will be largely opinion-based. I mean, some some things are more analytical and ins instructive, but there is, there's got to be strong opinion there. Um, and as long as what you're, you can back up what you say and there's some reasoned argument, then that's fine. I think that the problems often happen when too many people um, in a business or an accounting firm are involved in signing off content. And then it's just an excuse not to make the final decision. And either it never gets published. I often happens I'll work with businesses. I'll get the draft to quite a good, you know, it'll be quite good quality, but it just never gets published just because people are worried about making the final decision to sign it off. Or it gets so watered down and bland that it's in a way worthless and it doesn't reflect well on the company. Well, our accounting viewers and listeners will want to close the loop here. When I ask you the question about just adding to the noise, you say, yes, this is one of two mistakes that accounting firm makes with the content. So accounting listeners will be counting off that we maybe got one in that it's not strong or declarative enough or definitive enough. What was the other one? Okay, well, I'll give you there was a number of other ones. Yeah, um, it's too vague. So if it's too vague, i.e. not specific, it won't really um, be useful or interesting for, for many people. Um, so basically, say, for example, if you want to, the hot topic is like AI and um, generative AI at the moment in tech, rather than say writing about what's the future of AI and accountancy, just a reasonable subject, it's better to focus on what's the future of generative AI for amongst small accounting firms specializing in bookkeeping or something be really specific and you can be more specific from that than that even because 
if you i think some people who don't have much experience in content think that all oh, right if um i have a really broad topic it will appeal to more people but that's the reality that, that's not the reality because it's so generic um that you can't really go in depth enough in it so that's the first thing be specific ideally um make sure that it's balanced and nuanced and i always advise businesses and accounting firms to use the principles of good journalism so make sure something is balanced if a technology or a product or a service is in its early stages and there have been problems with it acknowledge that don't gloss over that um don't make what you're doing into a sales pitch because the people reading it the experienced um, board directors will know that there's a problem with something and they'll sort of feel patronized if you claim that everything's you know rosy in the garden so make it balanced admit when um admit when there's problems with something as well as the potential um ideally talk to try and get say something new i know that sounds obvious but you'd be amazed at and you probably see it Rob, plenty of times in in content whether a report or white paper and it just summarizes what what's been said about the subject um, doesn't add anything new. And by something new, it could be brought to some of your customers' case studies. That's always good. Um, but make sure it's quite in-depth and it's a balanced view of the, the subject, the challenges they have, as well as the, the benefits. Talk to other industry experts in your in the industry, not just people at your firm, so that it's 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 um a got more of authority. Um, you could do your own research. All those things are quite quite easy to do but some of them just take a bit more planning um and yeah just have fun with it and, and just try i also advise my sort of customers to take a step back from the content and think i'll say to them look i know you're really excited about this new product service that's fine but if you weren't working for your business would you want to read about this would you really want to spend 15, 20 minutes reading these 2,000, 3,000 words about the subject. And if you can take a step back and be a bit more impartial and think, oh, actually, maybe this bit is too technical or we need to expand this bit uh, or make it more topical, that can really improve the quality of your content. And most businesses don't do that. So it's just applying these basic principles. Um, and by doing so, you, you'll start to see a big improvement in the quality of your content and better feedback from your customers or whoever your audience is. Once a piece is live, where should it live, Nick? Because accounting firms traditionally put something on their website. They may then go to social channels and all of that's free. But then there's that whole realm of public relations and industry magazines and online platforms and things like that. So how do you advise firms on finding a home for their content where it will get some eyeballs? I'd say just initially just put you you know you put it on your website linkedin is a good platform um because that's got you know a very uh, a large number of customers and probably most of your customers or would be customers or industry figures are on linkedin and you can publish republish your um content marketing your blogs white papers on linkedin um and then don't get too obsessed with with seo and google rankings obviously that's important but my view is um, that should be a secondary thing. The most important thing is to say something interesting, say it clearly, and, and say something that your audience wants to read and that's new. Then the, the, the Google stuff, the SEO ranking will follow. You just need to make some tweaks. 
And then if you're producing interesting stuff, then you can start repurposing it to use the industry jargon, repackaging it. And maybe you could write an opinion article for one of your target publications in the trade press. You can start reaching out to journalists and you could sort of show some of the things you've been writing about just to show authority on the subject. So that might help you comment on a subject that you've written about for a newspaper or accountancy age or whatever. Um, but I'd say just start small and then experiment with different platforms. But you've got to get the quality. Um, and going back to what you were saying before about tips for improving your content, it's quality and consistency. Another common mistake I see is that a, a company will produce quite a good blog or report or webinar. Um, and then it it won't do and it won't carry on the momentum. Um and it will be disappointed when it doesn't get a big increase in sales or in, in views. You've got to good quality content, thought leadership is it a bit like a good quality drama TV series box set. It's a slow burn. So you it takes months to to demonstrate credibility on a subject and for for readers to associate you with a subject and think, oh, actually, that I really enjoyed that blog. Um, I'm going to go back there next month or I'm going to follow them on LinkedIn. Just don't expect instant results because producing good quality content is hard and producing good quality content consistently is even harder. I mean, it's not, not impossible, but it it's going to take at least a few months, maybe probably about six months. I'm glad you've taken a long-term view there because one of my questions was, how do we measure the success of a authority piece? If you expect that you'll put something out there and a, an abundance of listeners, followers will tag it and share it and everything else, and that doesn't happen in this tumbleweed, it's easy to be disconsolate about that. But you're saying playing the long-term game here is the way to go. You've got to build up some momentum and consistency. So any tips on measuring or tracking how effective a piece has been or a campaign has been? I think a lot of it will be that there are PR agencies. And if you have a decent PR agency, they'll have some technology to track this. But I, I think a lot of it is kind of semi-subjective. It, it might be when you're meeting, when you're trying to clinch um, a big new sales contract with a, a, a big customer, a big business, say if you're an accounting firm, and you meet you're close to signing on a dotted line and then you start talking with the chief executive and the chief executive mentions that they're reading one of your blogs. That's a sign that you're sort of and, and really enjoyed it, getting through to the right audience and your your content is cutting through. Or it might be that you start to get invited, your, your partners in your business uh, or owners start to get invited um, to talk at conferences or, you know, high profile business podcasts like this one or others. Um, so that's a sign that you are seen as an authority on a subject and someone with interesting views. And that's partly a result of your, your content. But it's like, you know, Rob, it's, a, it's like a lot of marketing or advertising, you know, half of it works we're just not sure which which half that's the famous david ogilvy quote isn't it that one yeah when you look at the different mediums you mentioned blogs white papers webinars you've mentioned that's a different kind of medium because we've got text-based written format then we've got video and even audio content there and particularly with the younger generation that are, are not into long treatises and, and big magnum opuses they've got short attention spans to attract a new audience, do you advocate 
the audio and the video route and repurposing your content in that way, like a panel discussion or a webinar? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, bet, I suppose, you know, if they're not doing it now, they will be, you know, you'll get some plenty of accounting firms launching TikTok, um, TikTok accounts. And I, I don't know, I, it's, you know, it's, I'm a bit of a dinosaur, I don't follow it, but it, there's just different, there's lots of, there's numerous different platforms. But the main thing is ex experiment. But the first thing is, do you have something interesting to say? Uh, and it takes a while to generate generate those ideas. And then once you get the idea, think about, right, is this, is there enough here for, say, a 600 to 800 word blog? Yes. Okay. If it's a bit more complex, maybe you need to examine it in a different format, so a white paper, or it could work well if you want to turn it into an industry discussion as a webinar. I mean, something that clients, some of my clients do, including in the tech industry, that works quite well is they'll have a webinar on some hot industry subjects. And that webinar might be, I don't know, half an hour, an hour. And it might be a series of webinars. And they'll have industry analysts, people from a, uh, various companies across the industry. Um, and it will be chaired by someone, a journalist or someone, someone from the company. And then they'll turn that webinar and into a series one or a series of blogs and so that's this whole idea about repurposing content which sounds a bit dry or uninspiring but it's just about making best use of the content that you produce and i've ghostwritten things for sort of i've listened to webinars and then turned them into blogs and it can actually work quite well and so that's about getting better value from your content, not just spending all this time and effort on one thing, on one format, and then just thinking, oh, that's it. Because people don't mind, you know, it's like watching a, a repeat on the BBC. If it's something you want to watch, you don't mind, do you? I think this has been great. We'll put your contact details and links into our show notes and uh, your services as a content consultant and media consultant for accounting and, and fintech firms. They could definitely lean into you because as you said, they get so close to what they're doing. And you get so blinded by the sheer overwhelm of how do we go about this and and what exactly do we say? So I can see how you'd be of great value to them. Just to finish, let's say I made you the czar, the overlord, the emperor of accounting and fintech content globally. And you had to get the industry on its right feet and set some guidelines and some criteria. So the whole, all stakeholders raise their game in putting quality content out there. Where would you start? How do you want to close and give a call to arms to the people listening? All right, okay. Well, hopefully all this power won't corrupt me. Um, <laughs> You're interviewing I, I, for the job. I'm not giving you it quite yet, but maybe if it's a good answer, you'll start on Monday. All right. I would say, first of all, um, just review what you're doing and, and what you want to achieve from your content, uh, what you can learn from what other people are doing in your sector. Secondly, think about what, have some kind of two or three hour workshop. And in that, think about um, what are the really interesting things that our business is doing and what is happening, and the, the really interesting things happening in our, in the accountancy sector and in the businesses we work with. And what aren't we writing about and what can we write about and why would they be of interest to our audience? Because I'm strongly believe that I think most, again, it's a big generalization, but most, I think, accounting firms undersell themselves and that the work they do is actually quite really interesting and important. 
but they won't often publicize it or write interesting content about it or they'll just trot out these cliches about we're a trusted business advisor well okay so what? and the, they're at the heart of all the big business stories whether successes or, or or failures and so they've got more than enough material there they just need to organize the material start having regular meetings to come up with ideas start putting those ideas into categories and then commit to deadlines and create some editorial systems so people to sort of commission the content, edit it and publish it and then cut and stick to deadlines and then start producing producing things more regularly and just try and have fun and experiment. But so you need to have a bit of a plan, but don't overthink it. It's not like um, doing a big audit for one of your big clients where every detail counts and it could be you know some areas could be catastrophic for your firm or for the client obviously the stakes are important with content you need it needs to be accurate and clear but as long as you get those things and as long as you say something your audience wants to read about then that's fine so just start to experiment and you'll see the benefits. Well, Nick, that's been excellent. Thank you so much for your insights on better content creation for accountants and the fintech industry that serve them. There's so many good examples there of what should be done and what should be avoided. So Nick Huber, we really appreciate that. Thank you. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by... Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring. Yeah.